This is Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show with Jen Vogel. Jen and her guests share valuable information to help you understand your customers better. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also ask Alexa or Siri to play Real Talk. This episode is presented to you by Vox Popme, the leader in video surveys. Here's today's episode. Hello, insights professionals, marketers, and everyone who wants to understand their customers better. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show. Today, I'm joined by Gilad Barash, Vice President of Analytics at Distillery, to dive into the topic of social activism for brands. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Welcome to the show, Gilad. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about this discussion. Me too. And we are, it feels like halfway across the world from each other. So I'm excited to be bringing us together virtually. I know. I think we are technically halfway around the world and uh, it's great that we can talk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining. And maybe before we kind of dig into the topic, I'd love to just hear a little bit about uh, you and distillery. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what you guys do and your role there. Absolutely. So um, I've been at Distillery for about eight years now. I'm, uh, like you said, VP of Analytics. It's part of the data science group. Uh, Distillery is, at essence, a data science company that creates digital audiences for uh, um, advertising as well as market research purposes to understand who your consumer is based off of digital signals that we see every day, whether it be ID-based and cookie-based or uh, cookie-free, as we know now with the transition in the uh, advertising world, the, the deprecation of the third-party cookie, we're also creating audiences based off of ID-free technologies. And these allow you to engage and target your consumers uh, in the best way possible, the people that are most likely to be interested in your products, as well as understand and gain insights on who they are, what they're interested in based off of behavioral patterns digitally. Really interesting stuff. I mean, we talk a lot about big data on the show and like companies just have access to so much in terms yes. of understanding what people do, how they behave, what they think. It's um, interesting to hear kind of how that data is being put to use. So um, thanks for that that little intro. Um, so I want to dive into this topic today of of social activism for brands. What does it mean when we say, um, that brands are being socially active? That's a great question. And I think that today, what we kind of like to think about it is this rise of conscious capitalism that I think is bred, especially in, in younger consumers, that there's an expectations that uh, the companies that are seeking their dollars should share their values. And so they want to see some involvement of the brands that they love in that lifestyle also in the things that they care about. That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that term of conscious capitalism. Um, and it's, so are you basically just saying that like, you know, I'm, I'm being a lot more, um, as a consumer, I'm being a lot more, um, you know, uh, gosh, I can't think of the word. I'm being a lot more conscious of like where I'm spending my money and I'm, it's not just about the product or the price or whatever the old uh, kind of values were of that individual yeah. product, but it's more about the brand. Yes, and I think there is, you know, consumers, they still wanna spend their money, but I think that there's maybe a social context to build trust amongst your 
customers. And so they want to know that you are, that you share in their values in everyday life around social activism, around possibly caring for the planet, whatever it is, um, it, it, it encourages them to spend more and have loyalty towards brands that they feel that share their values. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. And why, why do we think that's a topic that is coming up more now? So I think um, as the uh, internet's changing with social media, with more exposure and with more direct uh, engagement that brands have through social media that they can reach their followers and people that follow them that are interested in their brands, um, I think there's just a lot more visibility around that and there's more information around how brands are spending their money, who they're contributing to politically, um, et cetera. And so I think it's become a bigger issue now, especially with everything that's been going on in the last couple of years around social activism, the general climate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like also like uh, as people, our expectations change, right? Like companies are just constantly designing kind of new experiences and new products that are going to meet our needs differently. And as we get more of what we need, more of what we didn't know we need, our expectations are just going up and up and up of what we're going to get out of that interaction right. with a brand, um, which is really interesting. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to the experience that we're getting from that product or service. But sometimes or now, especially it's going, uh, you know, for um, a lot further beyond that to this idea of conscious capitalism, which I love. This is a, a new concept for me. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's uh, brands are selling lifestyle, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's less now about specific products, but it's services and lifestyles. And so you want that lifestyle match and mesh with yours and the things that you care about will help you be more in tune with that brand and that lifestyle. Sure. And I feel like too, like, you know, I'm kind of thinking backwards and, you know, there's certainly a lot of brands out there who have been active in different um, areas, but maybe you didn't know about it as much, but then some brands started to emerge like Tom's who was part of their offering right. to consumers is like by purchasing through us, you are helping to support this, mis this mission. Um, and that feels like one of the first to really build it into their model of what you as a customer were going to get from buying that product. You're not just going to get the shoes. You're also going to get be contributing to this purpose. Right. And I think you're touching on the one type of social activism in brands. And that's one that's intrinsic to the brand itself that they from day one have built their brand around that message. And another example of that, I think, is Patagonia, who from day one has always been very much about caring for the earth uh, and the environment. They're very conscious of recycling. You know, you can go, if you have a Patagonia coat, you can go to the store and have it refilled and, and refurbished. They don't necessarily just want to go out and sell you a new coat. They really want to try to use up and, and recycle. And it's always been as part of their brand as well as where they contribute money to and their social activism, activism around that. So it definitely is just part of an, an intrinsic part of that brand and what it's about that you sign on to. 
Yeah. So here's a really interesting, like, that's a really interesting comparison, I think, between like Tom's and Patagonia, because you're right that they both have this very clear kind of, you know, way in which they're supporting a specific cause. But how do you as a brand like communicate that with customers? Because I think with like Tom's does it very differently, right? Where it's, mm -hmm. it's very much one for one. You buy these shoes, this is going to happen. Whereas Patagonia, it is sort of intrinsic into their entire company, but they communicate that very differently. Um, so how do you let consumers know that this is what part of the experience of, of purchasing from that brand? Right, that's a good question. And I think what it comes down to is understanding, of course, who your consumer is, what they care about, and how to bring them on board that experience. And it comes, I think, in Patagonia's case, the entire brand was built around this idea of, you know, saving the earth and conserving. And um, so it's just part of its whole brand awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think there are different strategies. You could do a one-to-one -one thing. You can do things like Ben Jerry's, for example, is also a brand that is very socially active and has different uh, uh, campaigns and different promotions based on different uh, uh, contributions that they make or different causes that they um, uh, support. And so it could be different flavors that they create. So, you know, maybe some uh, uh, unique flavors that are uh, limited series mm -hmm. um, that they've done in the past. So it really is, you know, I think that once you tie it in a way that makes sense for your brand and your audience and you find that way to make it speak to them, that's a good winning formula for conveying your social activism. Sure, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so what is the, the business reason for being socially active as a brand? Well, that's a good question. And, and, and it comes down to the fact that not only does it make sense because it's right, but um, you know, morally right, but that there is also a business justification for it, and especially I think today when, when we are trying to engage with younger audiences, your Gen Zs and your millennials and, um, you know, that care about these things, that is the way to help expand your audience and garner more interest and get more engagement and incremental reach. So there's definitely is not only, I think, you know, a moral justification for doing this, but certainly a business case. Yeah, and so this ties in really closely with what you were talking about before of understanding your consumers and what they care about. Yeah. Um, and so, and that feels like, you know, this is what we talk about on the show all the time. Like, how do you know? How do you understand what your buyers really want as people? They, you know, and I think that those younger buyers, the, the Gen Zs and the millennials are always the groups that businesses are really trying to understand their, you know, right. the differences, right, in what they care about. So what are some of the different ways that we go about, like, learning what is really important to, to those buyers? Well, the good news is that they're happy to tell you, and they're happy <laughs> to tell everybody, right? They are online, yeah. they're on social media, they're posting, they're tagging, they're taking selfies, they're showing their lattes, they're, they're showing everything that they care about. So it really is a question of listening and identifying and seeing those digital signals that give you that information, whether it be, like I said, you know, listening on social media, whether it be looking at digital footprints and digital signals uh, that come from behavioral 
uh, uh, patterns of, of what websites they're, they're looking at or browsing, what apps they're using and when, et cetera. All of these digital signals are out there and you can still be very privacy friendly and mm -hmm. do it anonymously. That's an important thing to note. Um, but getting those signals of understanding what they are, for example, sort of, you can think of it even as a consumer journey when you, you know when they're engaging on your website, for example, or with your product on your app. But what are they doing previously? What are they doing prior to that? What are they looking at? What are they interested in? So being able to see those types of signals and using those types of uh, footprints allows you to see what else they're doing the rest of the time when they're not engaging with your brand. And that gives you an idea, what are they interested? Are they animal lovers? Are they looking at mortgages and houses on Zillow? Are they looking up travel, maybe eco travel? So you get a sense of the things that they are interested in, and that gives you ideas for strategies about how to engage with them on topics that they care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how, like in, in a role like yours, like how do you balance the, you know, those digital signals and that social listening with actually talking to and asking questions of those consumers? Because we know that sometimes people behave in ways that they don't, they're not even aware of. Um, so right. you can learn something different from their behavior than from actually talking to them. But yeah, how do you balance kind of those two things so together? That is an excellent question, and, and it definitely, uh, those are two different realms of where you can get that information. If you're looking at surveys and asking them questions, then on one hand, yes, it's certainly self-reported. They also, you know, they'll tell you what they maybe think you want to hear. Um, mm. So there is an element of uh, um, that self-reported and also, it's a, it's a pretty small scale. You can only reach so many people that will answer your take the time to answer your questions. A lot of times, it's certainly going to be uh, consumers that are, by definition, more interested and active engaging with the brand that take the time to do that. Um, whereas on the other side, looking at those passive signals that we just that we discussed, in terms of uh, websites that they browsed, etc., it's a much larger scale, and that is actual reported behavior, it's self-reported, it's observed behavior. And it really, they do complement each other because when you look at uh, the, the survey-based questions that they self-report, you can get a lot more granular in your questions, a lot more pointed, and also ask about uh, motivation. Whereas looking at the observed behavior, even though it's very large scale, there's only so much granularity that you can get to. So they actually complement each other where you can see overall large scale behavior, but then dig in deeper granularly into what they what motivates them, or at least what they claim motivates them. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's important to get sort of rounded picture yes. and capturing that information from all different sources and that you know, individually, neither one is complete, right? So right. using them together is really powerful. I mean, we talked a little bit about how brands communicate their activism. How do, how do they implement it? When a brand is socially active, how do they like implement or activate that? So I think brands need to be very uh, deliberate and careful in the way that they implement it. And, and you know, history is uh, uh, awash with examples of where brands have not gotten it right. 
And mm-hmm. um, I always think of, I have two rules of thumb when it comes to uh, activating or implementing social activism. The first rule of thumb is mean it. Don't be performative, include action, because consumers can tell. If you're just doing this for the sake of doing it, the uh, um, inauthenticity can alienate customers and you may end up doing yourself some damage. And, um, you know, we talked about those brands like Patagonia and Tom's where that is part of their whole reason of being is that social activism. And so they obviously mean it. But other campaigns, if you're just trying to do it, it may come off as opportunistic um, or insincere. And just as an example, the biggest example I think of is Pepsi, that was a prime example of a brand that uh, clumsily jumped on the social uh, issue and fell flat on its face when they did the, uh, uh, they had a huge backlash over the uh, commercial that they had, uh, that sort of Black Lives Matter they sort of seemed to trivialize Black Lives Matter movement at the time. Uh, they mm-hmm. missed the mark because they, uh, you know, uh, really seemed insincere in the way that they portrayed that whole thing and, and opportunistic. So you have to really mean it when you do it, um, and preferably also uh, have some action involved, whether it be to contribute uh, money to certain causes whether it be to uh, uh, do mentorship for certain organizations, but have some kind of call to action and something that you do that goes beyond being performative. I think that's really important, that action piece. And I know, you know, there's a lot of brands who, I mean, we've we've talked about the, the, the uh, prime examples like Ben and Jerry's and Tops and Patagonia. And, um, you know, they have a history of action. So when they, when they do communicate something that that they mean that they, that they care about it it is very authentic and then there are brands who you know i think are maybe cautious to start yes. because they're afraid of appearing performative even if they do really mean it but if they don't have that history to rely on where people trust them i think what what you said about action is is the key difference right like say something, it's okay if you haven't done anything in the past, but do something right. now and and show that. Right, and an example of that where it was done well is uh, looking at Nike. They, first of all, back in the day, they, they featured Colin Kaepernick uh, in a commercial. And even though they faced boycott and backlash, they continued to sell well. They had, you know, people burning their shoes on, on social media, but they sold <laughs> well. And then beyond that, they also um, uh, recently after uh, uh, whole George Floyd murder, they put out ads that were, you know, they utilized their own slogan where they said, for once, don't do it. Don't pretend that there's a problem, that there isn't a problem in America um, and don't turn your back on racism. And not only did they um, put that out there, but the CEO also said that they were looking at issues within their own company. They sent a, a letter to the staff that promising to increase diversity and they plan to commit funds to support black communities. So there was action beyond mm-hmm. just the performative words. Right, it's not just a marketing campaign. Yes. It, it's gotta be more than that. <laughs> Absolutely. And that brings me to my second rule of thumb, that if you mm-hmm. are going to be 
beyond performative. If you're going to take action, if you're going to do it, do it right. And I know that sounds okay. Well, sure. Let's, you know, why wouldn't we do it right? But this is, uh, it's important that even if your intentions are good, that you don't offend anyone. And the only way to make sure that that happens or to avoid offending anyone is having diverse teams of people at the company making those decisions and and putting eyes on the campaign and the product if you you know uh, uh back in the day i think it was h&m that um had a uh um a campaign that they um and they and they and they featured a uh, african-american model but the words on the sweatshirt were offensive and nobody caught that and so they suffered a huge backlash because of it and if you had just had a diverse team of people with different backgrounds with different perspectives with different lived experiences that looked at that somebody would have caught that so this mm -hmm. goes back to the social activism also has to be inside internal in your brand that you have a diverse team of people and again it goes back to what you said why do this what's the business uh, justification it's not only the right thing to do but there is a, a direct business justification for diversifying your workforce so that you have different perspectives that are weighing in and giving voice so that you don't miss something and then suffer backlash even though you meant well. And there's benefits to that diverse set of being even beyond preventing backlash, Absolutely. right? I mean, just from a business Absolutely. perspective, right? Having people with different experiences and different viewpoints, you're gonna build a stronger Absolutely. business. Stronger but products, I think stronger having services that cater to more use cases, it, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what are, what are some ways uh, not to be socially active? Well, so that's an interesting idea. And I think that today, I mean, you can just sit everything out. You can just focus on your product and, uh, you know, just just do that. But it does seem like I, I think that more and more people are consumers are feeling that even being quiet, um, you can get tagged as being complicit. Um, and mm -hmm. so I think that today, like I said, more and more silence is no refuge. And companies that avoid engaging on social issues sometimes will be seen as complicit. And the example that I always think about for that is back in the day, um, Uber and Lyft had a little bit of a, a tussle when mm -hmm. the Trump administration first, uh, uh, the Muslim ban, um, it was, Uber that continued to work with the administration and uh, seemed to, um, it, they sort of seemed to misjudge and, and, and made a decision to continue operating while other taxis decided to strike. And they even uh, continued to work with the administration on issues that were related to urban mobility. And so they did take sides, but then we got backlash for that. And um, on the other hand, in contrast, um, and it even probably further highlighted uh, Uber's inaction was that Lyft seized that opportunity and decided to condemn the travel ban 
and also uh, pledged to donate a million dollars to the ACLU, to the American Civil Liberties Union, over four years and, um, and released a statement in support of uh, diversity. Um, and so inaction today, I think, also carries with it some risk. It is a bit of a tough spot for brands yes. that maybe don't know how to get started. Um, but if, I feel like you've shared some really good good tips here of what to be aware of and how to think about doing this. I, I guess anything, any last um, recommendations for a brand who is you know, thinking about making a statement for the first time or just starting to take a stand in something that they care about? Yeah, I would, I would say uh, don't hurry just for the sake of doing it. Putting out a statement on your website or putting up a, a, a black square on your social media, those are things that tend to be performative um, mm -hmm. without any action or without any substance behind them. I would recommend stop, sit down, think what you want it to look like, what you want maybe a year down the road for it to look like, and then implement, start implementing those things and then put out your statement, then say something about either it's your workforce, maybe it's uh, organizations that you want to uh, work with or partner with. For example, at Distillery, we took, uh, we, we took the idea of, of uh, diversity and having more diverse talent in the tech pipeline very seriously because there are issues with uh, uh, diverse talent in the tech pipeline. So we have, uh, you know, we decided to contribute to certain organizations like Black Girls Code, and we've mm. partnered with organizations like uh, uh, the Knowledge House in the Bronx, which uh, uh, offers continuing tech education to underrepresented communities. And so you, my recommendation would be to sit down and think what action you would want to see happen, implement that, and then go with that. Talk about that. Talk about what you're actually doing, not just, uh, you know, what you think is wrong. I think that's a great a great recommendation and uh, something that that brands can really implement. Um, and I want to thank you so much for coming on today and talking about this topic. This has been a great conversation. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And thanks everyone for listening. Um, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to rate and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Next week, I'll be joined by Jude Olinger of the Olinger Group. We will see you then.